Hello and welcome to season two of Man Down, the anti-Man Up movement. My name is Jamie Clements and I'm going to be speaking to more incredible individuals from all backgrounds, all walks of life about their own journeys through mental health and what we can actually do better to look after ourselves. The goal of Man Down is to show that vulnerability is rooted in courage, rooted in strength and not in weakness and we're here to open up these conversations to reduce the stigma around talking about mental health and showing everyone that it is okay to talk about this stuff. This is Man Down. The episode is going to kick off in a second guys, we're just going to take a quick minute to hear from our sponsors and our partners. When was the last time your phone buzzed with a not very necessary notification? When was the last time you picked your phone up just to check a message and somehow ended up on an Instagram scrollathon? Look, you might not realize it, but you're probably addicted to your phone. And now with all of our meetings moving online, we're stuck in front of a screen all day. We're trapped in this endless vortex of Zoom calls, TikTok videos, and apps like Slack that require us to be always available, always on. And it's making it really difficult to switch off. Now this is where Unplugged comes in. The guys at Unplugged have created a space for busy city workers like you to take some true time offline with a three-day digital detox at their beautiful off-grid cabins just one hour from London. So if you're someone that's always on and the idea of actually locking your phone away for three days either terrifies you or feels like something you need right now, then you're probably in need of some true time offline with Unplugged. So if this sounds like something for you, head to www.unplugged.rest and use the code MANDOWN when you book and you get a beautiful food hamper for your stay. So all you need to do is turn up and switch off. I am incredibly proud to say that Man Down is brought to you in partnership with Better, a charity raising awareness around mental health and suicide prevention through a range of exciting events and initiatives. Please head over to www.better.org.uk, that's B-E-D-E-R, or find them on Instagram at better underscore UK. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Man Down. Thank you very much, as always, for being here. Today, I am joined by the man himself, Mr. Lawrence Price. Lawrence is an ex-Welsh rugby player and personal trainer of 14 years. He's also a fit trainer, by which I mean a trainer for the app Fit and not just a very good-looking PT. Uh, he's a Lucid Sport ambassador, cover model, and presenter, hosting his own podcast, which makes my life a whole lot easier, called Walk with Lawrence. Above all of that, and I know... Raz will be very pleased to hear. Um, Lawrence is also an ambassador for the amazing partner charity of Man Down Better, which if you listened to the intro and didn't skip through the intro, you will have heard all about before the episode started. Um, but I'm delighted to have Lawrence here today. We're going to be talking about a whole bunch of different bits and pieces about his own experiences and his work. Um, and also, for the first time in Man Down history, we've got some questions from Instagram to answer as well that aren't just whether either of us are single. Um, so <laughs> without any further ado, Lawrence, thank you for being here, mate. How are you? Jamie, oh, I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Is it, you know, just a sign of the times that the, this is the first time we've actually spoken. This is the first time that we've had a conversation face to face. Obviously, we've been feeling each other out a little bit on social media, but here we are. It's going to be recorded for the, for, for the whole of eternity and everyone else can, can experience the first conversation between, uh, between ourselves. So it's a very special moment. And uh, thank you for having me. 
no thank you for for being here i think yeah it's, it's lovely i think it's been one of the really nice refreshing things about what has otherwise been a very strange period is actually connecting with people albeit virtually but actually connecting with more people and i know we're both quite recently on clubhouse which is the, the thing at the moment um and sort of i know you're good friends with ben who's been on the podcast before and who um i'm getting you know ever closer with which I'm, I'm very grateful for and a very old friend of mine James Middleton who I know has been on your podcast a little while back as well so it's great to, to have you here and also obviously with the link to better um, yeah it's, it's really really good to have you mate so how how is life what's going on so on that note it's really weird I was, I've just been out for a walk and a jog after my training in the in the fields here in Hampshire <clears throat> and I was just, it was just occurring to me. I was like, oh, I'm going to go and have a chat with Jamie now. This is going to be great. Oh, it's going to be a podcast and be recorded. Oh, this is social media. And it kind of occurred to me in like different chapters and different phases of our lives. You know, I've got school friends, I've got university friends, I've got rugby friends. But now a lot of my very dear close friends, and you mentioned Ben and James there, are all from this kind of uh, social media scene, fitness scene, mental health, mental wellness scene. And it's just so interesting. And you mentioned Clubhouse, particularly with, with Clubhouse, where it's all about audio and conversation and really connecting with people on a sort of level. You know, all our interests now are shared publicly and we can see what people are about and we're really drawn to different energies, different people. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm creating some of the sort of deepest friendships of my life right now, you know, and it's, a, it's an incredible time. I know that social media has its pitfalls, but there's so many great positivities uh, positives to come from it and um who knows this could be the, the start of a flourishing uh friendship jamie it could no be it could be i know i just i need to be careful with the jokes that i make about you on instagram because i know people a couple of people uh didn't enjoy my my mockery of you last oh, night so in your chain, I'm sure. <laughs> your chain i thought it was pretty clear you know, I, you know, I, uh, any, you know, anytime someone, you know, accidentally brings out that, that cover, you know, image and just flashes it on social media, I'm just going to run with that every single time. I'm, I'm going to dine on that, dine out on that for the rest of my life because it was something completely unexpected. Obviously, I never, I never set out. I never thought I'd be someone who would end up, you know, in the, on topless in the front of a fitness cover magazine because it just never was in my psyche. There are lots of guys in, in much better so-called traditional shape than me and it just kind of happened. So any opportunity... I'll take it. So yeah, it was good. Absolutely, mate. No, it's just ex extra coverage at the end of the day, isn't it? So um, <laughs> um, I know we we chatted a little bit before we came on air just about life in general, given this is one of the first times we've had an actual conversation. Um, but, you know, it's been a weird, we are now mid-Feb, um, depending when you're listening to this. Um, it's been a weird almost full year of COVID and craziness. How has life been for you? I know obviously you're a dad um, and obviously working in the fitness industry, which has seen a pretty wild ride in itself since, since COVID knocked about. Um, but how are you, I suppose, in terms of like a personal check-in, how are you doing in of yourself and how is life more broadly? Yeah, well, I, again, we were chatting just before we started recording and um, the, the, the big thing that I, I, I can't avoid is this wider... Um, sense this concern that we have for the bigger picture um for for the many people who are suffering out there and for the medical and economic concerns which <clears throat> is i feel you know like we all do we're all you know i feel i feel uh, so helpless but a part of it and this is what we're experiencing this is what our current chapter in history is going to be you know defined for and i have great uh, concerns and 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 uh, emotionally i feel very low about that and i watch um different news uh, broadcasts and i'm literally saying out loud 
to the TV, no, no, how can this be? And, you know, we were talking about the, the, the big frustration I have at the moment for the schools being shut and for children not experiencing time with their peers, not, not experiencing sports and not experiencing all the wonderful things that come with a full um, childhood. Um, and I have this real kind of angst over all these different dimensions. Um, but then if we shrink it back on a personal level, my day-to-day -day life, I'm out here in this small village in the, in the middle of Hampshire and I've got family around me. I live um, with people. I'm not on my own. I've got um, open spaces I can walk into quite freely. I'm not cooped up in a, in a, in a, in a, in a flat. And I, I just feel so lucky on a personal level um, to, to be here in this situation, but also extremely, as I say, concerned yet helpless for the bigger picture. It's, afraid, it's a strange juxtaposition. Um, but, um, but again, we're kind of all taking it week by week, month by month. There's great caution as well, because the fitness industry has evolved so much in the first few weeks, you know, none of us really knew if we were going to, you know, have any work the, the following month. And so we're all, we're all kind of like waiting for the dust to settle, all trying to kind of pivot and diversify our offerings as much as possible online and just to see what happened. And, um, you know, uh, personally incredibly lucky that I can continue to work to a large degree on online a lot of the things that I was booked in to do like events and shoots and so on obviously all cancelled but I was extremely lucky just to go back to basics and spend time at home and to um to work through zoom and, and the rest of it um but um yeah <laughs> how am I feeling now I feel um I feel very calm I have that I have a sort of inner calmness to me and I have a real sense of uh, gratitude over the way things are for me on a personal level right now but back in the day pre-covid I would like we all do you know we know that gratitude is is the antidote for anxiety in many ways and, uh, and so I'd spend time practicing gratitude practicing thinking about the things that I'd be grateful for thinking about I've got a roof over my head I've got family I've got food on the table and all these little things but I'd, I'd have to work hard to to get myself into a position where I could be grateful for those things nowadays Life is really stripped back and it really is that simple. And I, I don't have to work hard to reach that state of, of gratitude for those smaller things in life. I just feel deeply grateful for those things because all of a sudden we've seen how um, finite and vulnerable um, you know, life is, we all are, and um, everything has gone back to basics. And the fact that I have those things in place leaves me feeling extremely lucky and extremely grateful. And there is a, there's a deep stillness and fulfillment with that. Um, also with the way that life has slowed down, you know, I realized that I spent many years, not just, not just kind of working, but, but, but in that hustle mode, you know, when you're pushing yourself and you're, you know, I've, I spent many years fighting, you know, on in survival mode. And then I spent many years focusing on trying to sort of push forward and trying to hustle and be, be moving forward. And I had this mindset at the time, whereas if you're not moving forward, you move, you're moving backwards and you wake up one day and everyone's passed you. And I just couldn't get that out of my head that I needed to be pushing, 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 um, which all kind of escalated in essentially a kind of build a slow building wave of anxiety, which kind of hit me 18 months ago. And out of nowhere, I had a few real sort of episodes of um, anxiety attacks, things which I never knew um, you know, I'd heard about these things, but until you properly feel it and experience it, it's very hard to sort of fully understand. And subsequently, this whole year of stopping or pressing pause and almost treading water, moving um, the body gently, but I'm not hustling, I'm not pushing forward. 
I've found it incredibly healing on a personal level um, and I've spent time and I know this to many degrees sounds like a bit of a cliche because a lot of people are saying it now that they've been able to pause and they've been able to take stock but there have been times when I've been out walking in the fields looking around and I've been taking a deep breath in filling up my lungs exhale and I can feel the emotional and physical tension leave my body and it has been on a personal level, as I say, putting to one side all the greater concerns I have for the bigger picture, it's been a very healing year and I count myself very lucky for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, thank you, first and foremost, for sharing. Um, I think it's it's such an interesting point that I everyone, whether they realise it or not, is going through or has been going through around sort of this personal versus global or why the sort of societal impact of what's happened, because we have had a lot of those, those things that we thought really mattered in our lives stripped away in a lot of cases, and we're left in our own heads and we're left with, with what's left. And I think, you know, obviously it sounds like you went through a bit of a, a bit of a tough time to get out the other side with it, but having that kind of grounding of gratitude and that ability to be, you know, present with it is, is so important. And, um, I think, I, I, I don't even know if you, if you'll know this, but I, I'm a breathwork coach. Um, I don't know if that's new. It is new information to you. Not this is so that, yeah. So I, I, I'm not here actually to go off on another one of my rants about breathwork, but just when you said about kind of that emotional charge clearing, as you take that deep breath, I think it's so telling like there's so much we can say about like the complicated ends of breath work and the amazing healing power of it all. And that's not where I'm about to go with this, but the act of stopping, the act of slowing down, the act of spending more time connected into yourself means that you can then feel stuff like that. You can actually feel what's going on for you physically, mentally, and emotionally. Whereas if you are, and I'm definitely guilty of this as well, of falling into that, like do, do, do hustle, 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 always moving, always striving mode you're in your head 99% of the time and you actually don't feel what's going on. So I think it is, it's been, it's been very up and down for me as well as it has for most people. Um, but actually having that ability to like pause and stop and slow down has has just been so vital. To, to rest in awareness. And this is the thing we took, whether it's fitness, whether it's breath work, breath work, whether it's, um, you know, cold water, uh, you know, ice bath, whatever it is, anything for me that the meditation, reading up about it, right? anything that connects me with the present moment and allows me to rest in that awareness and to step back from the mind and that mental time travel for me is absolute gold. And that's where, <clears throat> that's what I've been drawn to in life. And I've realized that, uh, you know, so many of the things that I um, worry about or would worry about, certainly when I was younger, so many of the things that I would get very anxious about, um, you know, most of, the, most of the things I worry about never happened. And so it's a kind of living in a slightly different dimension to reality. So let's get back to reality. Let's get back to the present moment. And Breathwork's been a huge one for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I've heard some, I can't remember exactly who it was. It might have been this guy, Jason Silver, talking about anxiety as a, a temporal dislocation from your present experience so it's you know depression and anxiety at other ends of the spectrum anxiety is fear of what might happen in the future and depression is quite often you know fear and sadness over what has gone before um so yeah it's just you know obviously much easier said than done but the more we can come back to the now the the better right um 
Sure. And I, so on that note with anxiety, just seeing it also as one wave in a whole sea of emotion and not being defined by it found quite useful because when you go through um, chapters of anxiety, which can last for a week and it can be uh, not just an emotional state, it's a physical tension as well. And I've, I used to get abdominal tension and, and that, hold that very tightly, which again, I've been able to release through breath, breath work. Um, but, but to see it more as a part of me and it's almost like a childlike um, protective state it's not as knowing as the deeper wisdom within it's purely one sea in a whole uh, one wave in a whole sea of emotion and it's it doesn't know any better it's just trying to protect you from the future as you say um and it, you know we are able to to and we have evolved past that and to accept it automatically um, helps it to sort of melt away as in many ways fighting it being frustrated with it only kind of escalates the issue i found yeah absolutely absolutely i've 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 been there um and if if you're you know if you're happy to share you know you mentioned those anxiety attacks and that that period that you went through about 18 months ago what did that i know you mentioned some of the physical symptoms there but what did that actually look like for you in terms of you and yourself like how did it affect you strange it's a, again like it is a very much there's a big crossover between the emotional and the physical state for sure and i would develop this abdominal tension as i say which um i've had a couple of breakthroughs in releasing um but um yeah, I mean, um, in terms of um, the anxiety itself, it starts almost like low level, like a kind of tingling in the stomach, like a concern and a worry, uh, an unsettling feeling that things aren't quite right. And then that almost drifts into a, uh, into a sort of state of, um, you know, you're, you're very, you're very self-aware in a negative way. You're not free to be yourself and to express yourself. And um it's um you know you it's, you start getting feelings of self doubt you start getting feelings that um you know imposter syndrome start creeping in um and and a lot of the times when i'd be experiencing this i'd still have to sort of stand up and perform and do different um whether it's shoots and films and i found um and filming sorry and i and i'd find it you know i was like okay at the start i was like oh, this is this is tough this is a real challenge here i'm going to have to sort of somehow put the anxiety one side and let the inner me the heart and the soul flourish and come forth and express itself and there was this kind of battle going back and forth between um between the two but i found that every time i kind of battered down the door because you, you one of the big things about it with, with me is, is is a strange juxtaposition of, of letting go and letting it be and also feeling the fear and doing it anyway and really pushing through and coming out on the other side of these um pivotal moments pivotal events as i say you know uh, moments where you're kind of in in the spotlight and you're feeling this anxiety and being able to realize that you can still produce the goods you can still express yourself and do a good job in that state means that when you emerge on the other side you know the voice that's telling you that you that you can the anxiety is just that small child it's the small wave of emotion in a whole sea of emotion and the rest of it that voice tells you um, that you can gets bigger and bigger and bigger and slowly the, the anxiety can subside and sort of fall away but when you're in the midst of it it feels very all-encompassing and everything you see with your eyes everything you feel feels touched by it it's a very strange peculiar feeling i mean like i'm not i'm not um you know a stranger to feeling anxiety being an ex-rugby player you, i'd always feel anxious the friday night before a game and I'd, I'd i'd be very touchy i wouldn't want anyone in my personal space i wouldn't want anyone asking me questions i'd be very protective of, of me and my well you know and my performance and who I am and 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 if anyone kind of tried to fix me it's the worst thing that could possibly happen I just have to be allowed to sit and be with it um but um the chronic anxiety the slow drip that slowly builds up over weeks months and years is a very different beast and it's taken 
it's taken um, a fair bit of work for me and my personal growth to understand it um, on, a, on a sort of um, psychological level and then to be able to deal with it emotionally and physically. And now I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I did all those things in an anxious state. Um, I still got to where I wanted to get to. That means I must be quite strong. If I can do that with anxiety, that's a great thing. What a wonderful challenge. And I, I've, I've, I've come up with a toolkit now to deal with it. And I've, I've modified myself physically, emotionally to all these different points because of those episodes in life. And I'm now just so grateful for it. I'm grateful for feeling it. I'm grateful for um, the challenges that it's given me. And I know this sounds like a bit of a cliche now, but on the other side of each challenge that it presented to me, there was immense personal growth. And I don't think I would have ever experienced that. I wouldn't be where I am now had it not been for that anxiety. So um, it was very, and it, you know, this it'll it'll be back in the future at some point. It's not going to leave me. It's part of me, and I'm I'm very grateful for it now. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I think it's um, it's amazing advice, and I think just a reminder. I think mainly speaking to myself here, but just a, a reminder that it's not a have have not it's not a zero-sum game where it's either it's something that is there or it's not it's that spectrum where it's like that voice the the can voice beats the can't voice and the can't voice gets smaller and smaller and smaller doesn't mean it ever necessarily goes away there'll be some days where it's there a little bit louder others when it's not and i think it's just a, a great reminder to people that um yeah you you can you can move through this stuff and it might never go away fully but you learn how to manage it and all of those challenges all of those things that you then bring into your toolkit to manage that you kind of just learn by doing at the end of the day it's you know the the only way you can do it um yeah you have to go i uh, sorry to, to you, yeah, i know you want to move on no no not at all mate i've become a yeah you know, i think when i was younger i think i avoided discomfort and i think you know i i did i took the easy option a lot and i wanted to feel good all the time but now i understand this um, this need for the combination between you know uh, the rough and the smooth to, to for the grind and also for the release and the rest of it and um, it's a big part of it is having to sort of grind through um, those moments and to still uh, as I say mostly emo the other side stronger for it but um, but yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting topic for sure it, it reminds me of a I've brought this up a couple of times recently on the podcast and it pains me to give him so much credit, but it's a James Middleton thing that he always oh, comes up. Again. He's just too, handsome, too clever. Yeah. And tanned. I know. Like, and awesome. Yeah. I hate that guy. Um, <laughs> um, but his point just around, um, and I don't know if it's like trademarked by him. I'm sure other people have said it before, but he, I credit him with bringing it into my life. And it's just around motivation and how action precedes motivation. Like everyone sort of sits around waiting to feel that motivation to then go and do something. But actually sometimes you have to just do and then the motivation comes. And that could be, I think it's an easy example with exercise, but that could be anything, right? Yeah, 100%. I completely agree with that now. Um, seek out the... I mean, it's very stoic, isn't it? And again, Ryan uh, Ryan um, Holiday, The Obstacle is the Way, a great book to read on that front. And, um, you know, you can reframe these things, um, things that, as I say, that in my early 20s, I would have shied away from now. I'm like, come on, let's be having it. Come on. Nice, juicy challenge. Let's get stuck in. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you it's mentioned... Every day of the life, every day yeah. of our life, you get the right kind of ebb and flow, as I say. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you you mentioned there, you know, this toolkit that you've developed. And, I, you know, I'm sure there are things that come in and out of it. But 
what does that look like? Like what has helped you in those tougher periods? What have you learned? What have you implemented into your life? Like obviously fitness is a massive part of your life. So I imagine that that plays quite a pivotal role, but outside of that, what, what helps you? I think there are different things in this toolkit. Certain things take care of the, the symptoms. Um, and I think fitness is a very great one. It's a very well-known um, methodology for taking care of the symptoms of uh, of anxiety. Um, you're kind of turning that so-called negative tension into a positive outcome by converting it into um, your improving your health and improving your strength. And immediately after training, obviously, you have that kind of psychological edge that you've done something progressive that day. You get that dopamine, serotonin, um, that feel-good factor release. Um, and so you feel good after you, you train, but essentially deeper down, I feel like there's also, there's more work to be done. There's a, there's a deeper element of understanding um, and learning and personal growth to go through in order to start taking care of the root causes of this, this fear-like state or whatever it is that's causing your anxiety. And everyone is slightly different, but for me, um, I think it, it's gone back to, to past um, experiences, past trauma in life where I've felt the need for survival. I felt fear of a failure. And so I've had to do a lot of work in those areas, which are nothing to do with a dumbbell. You know, it's to do with getting into the box, listening to the right people, going on the right uh, retreats and courses with the right people. Um, and, and without sounding too cliched, it's about deeply searching within to my, my soul and that, that deeper wisdom and that, that knowing um, which is within us all. I truly believe that energy is within us all already. It's about just scraping away the veneer of the ego and the mind and everything that stops us from getting there, all the things that try to keep us safe. Um, and I, I've noticed that, that that reading is a big one for me. And um, yeah, so uh, current book I'm reading, uh, Jack uh, Cornfield. Um, so he, you know, the book he talks about, um, the so the, the book at the moment, what's it called? The Knowing Heart or The Fierce Heart. Or so. I'll, I'll double check and I'll let you know. Um, but there's, there's certain things he talks about and a lot of it draws upon um, Buddhist uh, philosophy, which I found incredibly useful. And they talk about armoring the heart where past traumas mean that you drop these walls and these arms around your heart and you shut things down and there's that physical and emotional tension. And even just reading chapters like that in the book and then relating it to my life, I felt release and I felt release over and over again and these little tool Get, these tools get tucked away in the box and I can bring them out when I need them. Um, but I, I do think this is the big thing. I think that a lot of people see, and it is true, um, things like training and fitness and, um, you know, listening, something I do in the evening alongside that as well to deal with the symptoms would be to have um, paraffin-free candles uh, with essential oils. I, I, very, I find that I'm, I'm, I'm very moved by um, that sensory system of smell. So turning the lights down and having very calm um, music that's a meditative quality over it. And some of it is almost quite tribal because um, a, lot, a lot of this, again, knowledge goes back for, for centuries and centuries. And I kind of find myself tapping into that a bit. I found that's been a great way of activating my parasympathetic nervous system and getting away from that fight or flight state. Uh, so it's almost like, the symptoms, the shell is kind of broken away and then I can go in deep and I can read it. And, and as I say, go on retreats, whatever it might be about understanding why I feel that way, why I feel fearful, why I feel in a, um, in a survival state and why that is bringing about all of this um, emotional and physical anxiety. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, 
it's a really, really good way to look at it and not, not something, it's probably something that I do, but haven't quite like separated out like that. But I actually really like thinking about like, okay, what, what is the toolkit to deal with what I'm feeling right now? How do, how do I move myself, as you said, into that parasympathetic, that restful state that allows me to then go a bit deeper and, and properly relax? And I think also there's so much to be said for being in that state to then do that deeper digging and do that understanding. Because if you're in fight and flight, everything's, your body's fired up, but your mind is also racing, right? So... As you were saying earlier about the anxiety and you're like, how does it feel? Well, it feels like a fear trance and it's very hard to see with clarity and to feel the clarity when you're in a, in a trance-like state of fear and you've got the mental time travel and you're worrying about X, Y, and Z. But if you can self-manage and identify when you feel that sensation creeping in, then you know, right, I go straight to, I have a workout or I, you know, and I, and I release the tension that way or I get my meditation game on and get the candles out and the music, whatever it might be. And then it's, a, it's about remembering. We already know a lot of this stuff, particularly if we're going into a deep um, personal growth journey like, like we are. Um, it's about picking up the right books. It's about calling the right friend. You mentioned Ben Bidwell. He's been not just a friend for me. He's been a, a, a freaking education, you know, the guy. Like, you know, he's just incredible. And, um, you know, we talk a lot as well, particularly with, with mental health at the moment, about, um, you know, sharing the way you feel and talking. And that is just so key. And it sounds so simple, but having a discussion with someone and learning that these feelings are normal, that's a part of being a human, and that other people feel them, already that relief melts a lot of them away as well. And it allows you to dig a bit deeper and to do the work that we need to do is to under, understanding ourselves on a deeper level. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think it is a case of also, you know, you said right at the start about sort of some of those deeper relationships that you've come to to kind of um, grow through this kind of work. And I think it is it's so important to be not necessarily surrounded by, but keep company with people who are on a similar path, because you do learn so much from other people's experiences as well as your own. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's for sure. Um, and, and, you know, we're not going to, we're not trying to fix our friends. We often talk about this. We want to hear, and it's cathartic to hear, but it's also, it's, it's like a, it's a gentle purging of people to share. And you don't need to try and fix each other. You just need to hear and to listen, to be there for them. Um, and obviously offer appropriate advice as and when, but um, yeah, it's a powerful tool um, for sure. And we're lucky, we're lucky that more and more people, and we're, you know, we're guys, we talk about guys, you know, often struggling to share, and this is well known. Um, and we talk about the charity better as well, um, but more and more guys um, able to share. And uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing at the moment. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing to see it all, all flourish and improve. Yeah, it's, it's really great. And I think, um, yeah, as you said, a couple of those sort of traditional key masculine traits around um, a, trying to fix everything and just remembering that there's value to be taken from holding space and listening rather than trying to fix. Um, and as well, yeah, just not not really opening up and, and keeping everything locked away, which I think if you can, I think there's almost a bit of a process to be like, okay, if you start opening up, then the natural reaction from other people is to try and fix if we're talking about like men together. So it's like, okay, how can we as a group go from starting to open up to then resisting the urge to fix. And I think it's a, it's, it's a challenge because it's not something we're used to, but I think, yeah, as you said, like, you know, whether it's clubhouse, whether it's Instagram, whether it's podcast, whether it's whatever it might be like Ben and, and the retreats that he's now, how, now working on um, there is, there's a real movement and it's, it's amazing to see. 
It is. You mentioned Clubhouse, crikey. I mean, um, tread carefully. It's, it's like the anti-social media, social media, where it's not a visual platform. It's the opposite. It's all about the intellect and the academics are rife. And I feel so stupid on Clubhouse. I go into these rooms and I sit there in the background and I'm like, oh my gosh, these people are so, are so bright. They're so clever. And I often leave a room and I, and again, I say out loud, God damn it. I wish I was that clever. It's amazing, but it rubs off and it's like osmosis. You learn. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying the intellect does, but in terms of the lessons learned, just sitting in those rooms and listening to some amazing people who've done the work talk is so powerful. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. And you know, it's part, it's something that I've realized as a byproduct of this podcast. It's just like, I love these conversations and hearing other people's wisdom because it's just, it's, it's real kind of real life therapy, just seeing people do their own work and be like, that resonates with me. That doesn't. And just taking what works for you is, is so powerful. And there is a whole lot of shite on clubhouse as well. of people just like flogging, make six figures in five minutes. If you follow me on Instagram and it's, you know, it's any social media has the potential to go that way, but it is, it's turning into, if you curate it as again, as with Instagram, as with anything else, if you curate it the right way, you're going to hear the right stuff and the stuff that you want to engage with. Yeah. And we just be, you know, we've got to take ownership and be accountable for the information that we digest. And, you know, when we go on social media, we have a choice, what we look at. And uh, when we go to the clubhouse, we, you know, try and try and go on there with a view to what you're going to seek out and what you're going to search. Um, it's the old scrolling trap, isn't it? You can end up in the wrong place, the wrong room. Exactly. Yeah, I am. Um, this is turning into an advert for Clubhouse. So I, I hope you're listening, Clubhouse. Give me my money. Um, <laughs> but um, I ended up in a room on a stage, which is what they call it with um, a guy called uh, Dr. Jim Doty, who's a, a, I'm literally reading his book at the moment. And it's amazing book called Into the Magic Shop. And I got to speak to him. And I was just like, this doesn't happen anywhere else. And he's got like, 900 followers or something and you know followers don't matter but like he is a, a big deal and he's just there chatting to me and it's yeah it's, it's pretty wild um so i there was one one area that i i kind of wanted to to bring the conversation to um and this was around you know hence the name of man down around masculinity so you know, you've mentioned your, your time playing rugby. Um, I've, I've played a lot of rugby in my time. Um, no, and... <laughs> so, like mine as well. Yeah. yourself. I actually, um, I had, this is literally irrelevant information to everyone listening, but I had an operation on my sinuses before Christmas because they'd been ruined for years. And as part of that, they straightened my septum and everyone I've seen has been like, your nose is a hell of a lot straighter now. And I was like, <laughs> yes. they were like did you secretly have a, no a nose job? I was like, not, not going to tell you. Um, but I've, I've broken my nose as well, but luckily it just seemed to sort of not go too wonky and it's, it's held fast. But yeah, you can't tell me. It's, uh, it's masculinity. That's masculinity. Getting exactly. your nose broken. Exactly. That's man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the question so rugby, obviously, a lot of your work is now in, in the fitness space. From the outside looking in, masculine, traditionally masculine realms to be running in. Um, so I, I just wanted to talk about from your experiences growing up and to where you are now, what, what does being a man mean to you? And has it changed? And if so, how has it changed over the course of your life? It will do, you know... Um as you say, like doing kind of so-called 
high masculine energy pursuits such as roping and the rest of it. But I, I, the feminine energy strows strongly flows strongly through me, and it always has done. It always has done. Um, you know, in school, I, I wanted to. I was in the choir, and I wanted to do drama and all these and all these. And I was creative, and I wanted to do all these things, which. Um, which um, I, I, you know, I got a lot from, but at the same time, I was meant to be down on the rugby pitch training, and I was I was playing rugby for my country at schoolboy level, and I'd have the the choir um, master come down to the rugby pitch. Why is Lawrence at rugby? And I'd have the rugby coach saying, "Why is you know Lawrence is in the art room or whatever it would be?" And people wouldn't get it because you you either had to be a jock or you had to be choir boy or an artist. You couldn't be both. You couldn't you couldn't be everything. And I always felt really comfortable being everything. And I you know I went on to play rugby. Um, at a at a at a high level, and I was playing f- for three years uh, for my club, which was so I was originally with Cardiff, and then I had an ACL in- injury, which meant I was kind of taken out of the the game for a year, and then I got signed by Pontypridd, who were like the 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 renowned Valleys rugby team for three years, a very um, very hardcore um, ex mining environment community. Um, and you know, very very tough rugby team. Um, their rugby pitch is built on an old slag heap from one of the mines there. Um, and <laughs> you know, I, I um, when it came to analysing games or talking about different parts of the of the, of the matches, I, I developed a reputation for just talking too much because I wanted to discuss everything. How did it feel? How did it look? Why did this happen? Why? And, and it, I was I was regularly kind of, you know, in a funny way, I suppose, shut down for kind of, you know, like, you know, all right, we didn't want an essay about it, but I just love kind of getting into the sense of the, how something feels. And so I've, I'm really lucky. I've never had a, a problem with talking about how things feel and talking openly about it, um, which, again, I know this this is this is why I'm very lucky in this day and age that, um, you know, something we're encouraged to do. And I've always felt very natural doing that. Um, and, um, and so for me, you know, in terms of what does it feel to be, um, a man, was that the question in terms of what it yeah. feels, what it, what it means to you? Yeah. I mean, I don't really believe in this question anymore. I feel, I believe in, you know, how does it feel to be a human with the certain amount of masculine energy running through you and a certain amount of feminine energy running through you. And, you know, I, you know, I used to get really frustrated and very close friends of mine, um, saying very openly to me that they couldn't they couldn't figure me out because who am I because people need to pigeonhole you you're you're a jock you're a rugby player or you're you're an artist you know I used to disappear to um I used to just disappear to Cornwall for a week with friends and just go and stay with artists sleep on sailors boats paint stuff you know sleep rough and then go painting and I'd love that and then the next week I'd be up training in the Welsh Institute of Sport with you know the rugby team and the rugby boys and all this kind of stuff and you know it it, it created issues for me as well because it kind of hijacked my rugby career in many ways because I used to kind of disappear on these kind of creative bouts and then you know I was perhaps meant to be elsewhere but anyway my point is it confused people they didn't really knew, know who I was um, and I you know I was just a human doing his thing I'd love to sort of feel and get creative and uh, very emotional I love to to sing I love to write poetry but then I love getting on the rugby pitch and having you know 10 bells beaten out of me in the Welsh Valleys by you know like the, the rough local team this big derby and getting dirty with it and the rest of it it's different energies flow through us all and I celebrate them all and um, you know I don't for me I don't 
have any judgment upon anyone else about what level of different energies that flow through them. It's all beautiful and it's all completely up to them. And whatever allows them to feel alive and enjoy the fullest life experience is beautiful. And that's all good with me. Um, and I suppose, I suppose now I get it. Back then I was probably a bit confused myself. Who am I? What am I meant to be? When someone asked me what, what I do, what am I meant to say? Whereas nowadays I feel like that's my answer. Yeah, I think it's it's about as good of a good an answer as as anyone could give. Um, it's it sits you know completely with with my beliefs on on the topic. And as you said, we we've all been led to believe that pigeonholing to some place as something is is what you're supposed to do. That's how you get an identity. That's how you prove who you are to people. Is if they can put a label on it, then then that's good. Um, but it is it's about it's not about manly it's not about girly it's it's not about language it's about who who you are and being true to that being authentic to that is is what you want to that's where we want to get to um we spend too long kind of concerning ourselves with these labels with this language as to like is that masculine is that feminine it's like a we have this confusion that masculine means man and feminine means woman yeah I know. but also people get very defensive like if you said to a woman that she was expressing something from her masculine she'd be like why are you calling me manly and the same in, to a, a guy if you said that's you know a lovely expression of your feminine energy sir and they'd go fuck off mate what you say <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's uh it's a beautiful um you know it's i think it's it's amazing to hear that that was your experience because i think but speaking from from my own personal experience i felt like i've gotten to where i am now and then I've started to get comfortable with the boat with both sides. But where I'm in, intrigued as to like, and there might be nothing in this, but what how how do you think that happened? I suppose. Like what what was your relationship like with your parents? Because that's where I feel like a lot of this stuff comes from, especially in, in our formative years. I again I was a lot of freedom for my parents. They always let me to explore what I wanted and they all supported me what I wanted. They never took a hard line with anything. They never they never tried to sort of um set me on any particular pathways. I was um extremely extremely lucky. Um and you know, they put a huge amount of trust in me as well to kind of find my own way and they gave me the tools to do the job, but I had to kind of, you know, figure it out myself as it were. Um so you know, very, very very lucky in that regard and you know I don't know what makes me me if you want to talk about the genetic DNA makeup or if you want it to be about the experiences the things that I'm drawn to in life but I was allowed to explore them all growing up I was taken to the opera just as much as I was taken to the rugby I was taken to you know all these different facets all these wonderful human expressions uh, that we see physically manifested in art galleries or in a sports field whatever it might be I was taken to everything and allowed to find find my own way without any pressure and I've always been uh, in death to my parents for that and it, one of my big goals as a parent now is to do the same to my children not to try and tell them how to feel how to look how to be but just to show them as much as I can to show them as much of the world as I can and allow them to with curiosity to find their own way in it it's the greatest gift any parent can give to their children yeah absolutely and, and you beat me to my next question was which was uh do do you feel like you you're starting to reflect that with with your own children i you know it's un, unsurprising to hear that um but no i you know it's 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 beautiful to hear mate and i'm you know it's admirable and you know you you talk about kind of looking to to ben as sort of a not, not an oracle that's probably doing him a little bit, <laughs> a bit too much uh 
the guru, the Zen the master. Yeah, it's, he said he, he was telling me he's going to get a haircut which I think is just going to detract. It's like Samson. He's going to lose his power. Um, he's going to grow his hair. He's, he, he's, getting, he's going to get numerous tattoos and um, we're all joining commune and moving somewhere in the wilderness with him to see our days. Yeah, the, the cult of... The, the, na <laughs> the naked cult. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's amazing to hear, mate. And um, I think i'd like to to close with some of these questions that that came through on on instagram if that's all right um and there were just just two that i picked out um that i thought were particularly interesting um one was actually about better about the charity um mm -hmm. and what kind of what drew you to to them and what what made you want to be an ambassador for for the the brilliant charity that we all know and love well a couple of things obviously razak who has founded it is um is a, is a wonderful guy and a great um, connector people, I think. And he's very good at communicating his tragic story with his brother and why the um, charity was founded in the first place. And, and like, like so many of us, you know, I've, I've, we've all, we've all got friends who aren't here with us today, but you know, should, should be, it, we feel like it was avoidable. Um, and I've, I've been very personally in a situation where I've kind of um, been, where, where, where I've experienced, um, you know, the cusp of what the charity is, is all about. And so I feel um, a sense of, um, a sense of an emotional attachment to the whole topic of suicide prevention, of mental health. Um, and I feel a big part of my calling is to somehow align myself with the right people, i.e. better yourself, um, in order to normalize the conversation around it, which is obviously um, the the tagline, if you like, of, of the charity itself, and 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 to show people that you can be going through an extremely dark chapter of your life, but if you just give yourself the chance, um, in five, two, three, ten years, you'll look back and, and life can be very very different, and you can see a very different person. But then you just need to give yourself the chance of life, and so being involved with the charity that allows people to, to do that for me is is extremely important, um, and something that I've completely commit to absolutely mate yeah totally totally agree with you on that and um the last question just before we finish up was i think an interesting one um as someone who does not have children um yes to answer the, the other question i am still single um <laughs> it's, it's funny how you know we want to record a serious podcast here and um you know you put the question out there on social media and then people asking me whether you are single, my friend. And it's funny how, you know, these things come about. So if you do end up in a relationship and then marrying anyone who, um, who you meet through my social media, then I do expect an invitation to the wedding and I do want to be page boy. Absolutely. You could be um, flower, flower person. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but the question was, um, what is, for you, from your experience, what is the most difficult thing about being a dad? Hmm. Ah, sometimes you feel, you know, because I, I really thrive off um, a, a sense of duty to look after and to, to nurture a family and to support a family. I love that feeling because I'm basically just a caveman and it's the hunter-gatherer kind of like, you know, go out, hunt, food, look up, you know, that old classic. Um, so I, you know, I, I have a huge drive over 
supporting my family and giving them security. Um, and so in order to do that, I obviously want to be and need to be the best version of myself to fulfill what I see as my full potential. And I have a huge fear of not fulfilling that potential, which is where a lot of the anxiety in the past um, came from. What if I fall short? What if I don't produce the goods? What if I don't uh, fulfill what I think uh, is my potential? And so I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to do that, um, to nurture, to provide, to support. And it's sometimes, as, and this is the age old, challenge of parenting I'm not saying anything new here sometimes you feel as a parent um, you want to you want to be doing all these things to help the family and then sometimes you feel that your hands are being tied slightly because you get these curveballs you know you're unable to go uh, and achieve certain things that you meant to achieve you're unable to um, to sleep you know you're unable to go <laughs> and so I feel like there's sometimes a bit of a tug of war between wanting to be the the, the, the person who's able to have a bit of get up and go and be really productive, but at the same time, particularly in lockdown, it's not the most productive environment and that can be challenging. Um, but again, it's a beautiful challenge. It means that I've realized I have to box clever. I have to be more uh, efficient with the way I allocate my time to certain tasks, whether that's training, whether that's work ones. And it's made me, um, it's made me a better work person. It's made me more uh, efficient at the work I do. But sometimes that is a big challenge because you want more than anything to be um, this figure who provides and who gives um, the family what they need. Um, but, but sometimes you have to down tools and you have to get dirty and uh, the rest of it and look after what needs to be done and sacrifice the things that you think um, will help you to, to be there for them. It's a strange little juxtaposition and I hope that came across okay. Uh, I hope that made sense. But, uh... <laughs> it did, mate, for sure. I think it's, it kind of perfectly sums up probably that that juxtaposition that that balance between the the kind of again sort of coming back to that masculine the the kind of the doer the the space holder the 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 man of the house but also you know knowing that or admitting to yourself that there are going to be sacrifices and there are going to be things that you can't do so yeah i think that that covered it pretty pretty nicely yeah, I think, you know, you've got to get used to surrendering and letting go to the, the forces greater than yourself. You've got to relinquish the sense of self, this ego, and you realize that, you know, you're all, you're all combined. You all are, particularly as a family, we just feel as one. And just to, to find a way to go with the ebb and flow whilst also grasping the opportunities when you have them to fire up the energy and be productive. And it's been a huge learning curve on that on those grounds and the beauty is with parenthood every month every year that the the kids grow and they enter a new stage of their lives and with each stage of their life become new learning curves and new challenges for you as a parent so it's um it's a great way of ensuring that there's variety month on month in life <laughs> definitely definitely variety is the spice of life and you're certainly not short of it so <laughs> um well thank you again mate for being here i really really do appreciate it um appreciate you sharing and appreciate kind of everything that you have shared with us i think there's lots of lots of things that i'm sure will resonate with lots of people so thank you again for being here really really grateful mate thanks for having me and i look forward to chatting to you in person one day when all this is over one day we'll make it happen <laughs> So that is it for today's episode of Man Down. Thank you so much for tuning in as always. 
Tune in every Sunday for the next episode of Man Down with our next inspirational guest. If you want to get in touch or if there's anyone that you think should be on the podcast, you can reach out directly on Instagram at jamie.clements underscore or by email on jamie at mandownpod.co.uk.